Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. As we do every week, we continue to bring you information for guys before, during, and after divorce. And as usual, today is no different as we're joined by one of our Cordell and Cordell attorneys in the Nebraska office. Welcome, Chris Johnson. Thank you, Scott. I'm glad to be here again. Yeah, so uh, glad to have you. So uh, before we get started, as you know, we're available for consult. Uh, as a result of this, if you have any questions, you can give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW. Find us on the web at cordellcordell.com. And of course, keep in mind, no attorney-client relationship, no legal advice here. We're just here to educate, provide tips, ideas, speaking points for you to take to an attorney who practices exclusively in family law. So uh, something we haven't talked about, and I know I've alluded to in my 10 stupidest mistakes before when we do these seminars around the country, and including in the book that we have, uh, that we've uh, published, it's about telling your attorney uh, bad facts. Uh, I always talk about the doctor, uh, patient, client, attorney relationship, and uh, I think it's so critically important to share the bad stuff because you never know what could be useful. We can turn it into a positive. And so... Um, I guess many guys are thinking, yeah, but you know, why should I tell my attorney the bad stuff? So, Chris, what do you say? Well, the, the biggest thing to remember is that anything that is told to an attorney uh, while that attorney is representing you is protected by the attorney-client privilege. So, uh, first and foremost, you shouldn't be uh, embarrassed to say these things or, or ashamed or in any, re any, in any way uh, reticent to say these things to your attorney because your attorney is bound by ethics as well as by laws in most states uh, to keep that confidential. Mm -hmm. um, but telling your attorney these facts that uh, that we've deemed as as bad facts is essential in that preparation uh, because the worst thing that can happen is to be in front of a judge uh, for any given reason uh, and then to be surprised by something uh, out of left field. Yeah. I've always said, come in, you know, in the initial consult, tell me it's the worst thing they're going to say about you, no matter what it is, because, um, you know, I've been doing this for 27 years plus, and I think I've seen it all. Uh, I tell my clients that I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I'm rarely surprised by something. So that should bring comfort uh, to a client or for people listening is that it's not going to be like, whoa, I've not heard that. I mean, it's rare. And, and the fact is, is that most of the bad facts I can deal with. You know, there are certain things that are really difficult to handle, child abuse, right? Uh, that's the, the rare exception to the bad fact rule. So in bringing that up, so what are perhaps some of the bad facts that you'd want clients to tell you? So uh, I use the term bad facts to encompass really anything that you'd be ashamed, embarrassed, or, or even angry about to tell your attorney, whether it's true or whether it's a lie. Mm -hmm. um, so child abuse is, is single-handedly uh, one of the biggest things that you worry about because uh, not only is that going to affect custody, but you bring up child abuse allegations and it really just encompasses the entire case at that yeah. point. Um, whether those are true or a lie, uh, quite frankly, uh, it, it shifts you from being on offense to being on defense a lot of the time and, and definitely changes the way that you handle a case. Yeah, but I, mean, I agree. I mean, I think the part, the struggle, as you think, as you mentioned, is not being surprised is in family law, uh, at least in Missouri and Illinois and Georgia, where I'm licensed, uh, you don't necessarily have to disclose the witnesses. And you're in, inevitably, if you don't share the bad facts, here comes a surprise witness. And I look at my client, I'm like, what are they going to say? And I don't well, want to be surprised. 
And even in Nebraska, where I'm licensed, um, even where we do have to disclose witnesses pursuant to some certain rules, uh, there are things called rebuttal witnesses that can be brought up that don't have to be disclosed prior to trial. And so even at trial, where you've done all of your due diligence and asked all of the right questions, uh, there's still the possibility that there is somebody you didn't know about sitting out in the hallway. Yeah. And, and trying to deal with that on the fly, uh, it's never easy. Um, and it's not the best strategy. I've had to do it. And we all do it. And inevitably, there's something that's going to happen. But, you know, going back to these bad facts. So, you know, criminal or, you know, what other types of things would you want clients to tell you that you think are uh, important? Sure. So when I do my initial consultations uh, with guys, one of the first things that I ask, uh, like you said, is what is the worst thing that she's going to say about you? And usually that's a little bit telling uh, whether she is going to accuse that you have a drug problem or that uh, you are unfit for whatever reason. Usually there's some type of a reasoning why she's going to say that. So I'll do what I call rapid fire questions with a lot of my consults, which include, um, what does your criminal history look like? Have you ever been arrested? What's the most recent thing you've been arrested for? Is there anything violent in your past? Are there uh, uh, potential drug allegations that are going to come out there? Um, as we all know, addiction is a disease and uh, relapse is, is part of that recovery process. And that's something that a lot of guys are uh, uh, just, not excited to talk about, uh, especially yeah. if they are in recovery, they, they want to say, well, I don't do the drugs anymore. And therefore, uh, it shouldn't be a part of the case at all. And it's still going to be brought up. Yeah. Um, other things, uh, we've seen things like uh, sexual misconduct allegations, mm -hmm. whether that's um, sexual abuse, or, or just odd proclivities that might be brought up by the other side. Uh, and then there are things that are not illegal, uh, but still might be things that you'd be ashamed to tell somebody, things you've said in the past, um, one party calling the other names or talking about mm -hmm. things that are sensitive subject. Uh, and even worse is when they're sent by text message. Yeah. Um, if you're ever caught in a photograph in a compromising position or if there's a video out there, and I guess the, the single biggest thing that we tend to talk about in these initial consultations uh, tends to be an affair, whether that's real or imagined. Right. Um, which at least in Nebraska, there are only certain ways that you can even bring an affair up at a trial, uh, and it's only relevant to certain issues. It's not relevant at all uh, to uh, things like child custody or property mm -hmm. division, uh, but it would be relevant to things like alimony. Hmm. So like in Missouri, um, and the reason I think this is so important we ask is that misconduct, no matter what the form, no matter what happened, sexual, adultery, financial, drug, alcohol, we can use it in every aspect of the case. It's a no-fault state, but you can use it to, to divide property disproportionately to get attorney's fees. And that's why it really is an aspect and why it's so important to, to, to say everything is it's really meant we use it, I use it to pressure the other side to feeling you know, embarrassed and they don't want to hear it anymore and they just rather be done and they'd rather settle uh, or you know, just get it over with. I can't take it anymore bringing in a girlfriend or, you know, what our boyfriend to testify again, you know, and say, you know, what describe your relationship. And that's why it is about positioning. It's about influencing the judge with bad facts and having the judge look at your, you know, the opposite side and say, you know, I really don't like them. And it has nothing to do with the relevancy, unfortunately, at least in Missouri. Um, and that's why it's very important. And kind of 
spilling into really why you do it and how it assists you as we think through it's, it's I always bring this up and relate these two together with the like doctor patient. I'm going to go in there and tell them everything wrong, right? Every little pain, every little symptom that may not even be connected to the primary reason I'm there because I want to be healed. And so I have friends that are doctors and they're like, I hear stuff that has totally, you know, if it's their leg, they're talking about a migraine on the right side of their head. And we know these are unconnected. But the point is, is that they're being so honest because they're so desperate to get some sort of relief. And that's what I implore our clients to do. And my clients, and I know you do, is to, to provide that honesty of just things that you may think don't matter. They may matter to us. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. So maybe I guess that leads into the question is, when you ask for the bad facts, what type of evidence are you wanting to get from them? So it depends on the type of bad fact. Um, for instance, if it's a criminal history, uh, I need to know generally uh, location where it happened and, and when so that I can look for it. Um, on the other hand, if, if there are allegations of um, uh, an affair or abuse or something along those lines, uh, it can be as simple as providing what is typically known as an alibi defense. Um, for instance, I couldn't have done what you said I did because here's a receipt. I was 90 miles away at the time. Uh, it could be text messages, uh, which certain carriers will keep up to 90 days. And so we are really time limited on that. Mm -hmm. um, it could be, again, with that alibi defense, it could be uh, location data from electronic devices uh, because nobody ever goes anywhere without their cell phone nowadays. Uh, and a lot of people leave that location turned on. So you're able to see exactly where you went. Uh, and when you were there and how long you stayed and which route you took to get there and, and all of those things, and they're relatively simple to get to. And so above and beyond that, uh, there may even be video documentation uh, showing that you couldn't have abused the child in this particular place because there's video evidence of you at a gas station that's yep. far enough away that it couldn't have happened. And unfortunately, the nature of the beast is that you don't know what evidence you should be looking for until you know exactly uh, the circumstances surrounding that particular bad fact. And it, it changes everything because, and I've always said, representing guys is about appearance and, pre and presentation. How do they look in court? How are they dressed? How do they come before the judge? Judges are derailed by emotion. They make decisions upon the credibility of the witnesses pretty quickly, which means presentation. So the bad facts can change strategy, in my mind. They can change the way you want to present a case. They can change how quickly you want to file. Um, talk a little bit about how the bad facts may change how you would approach a case. A case. Sure. So uh, just as a for instance, if we know that the other side is going to be um, accusing you of abusing the children, um, but we don't necessarily know what abuse they're alleging. We just know that they're going to say that you uh, abuse the children. 
we can use different types of uh, discovery items, which I believe the names vary state to state, uh, but they're all pretty much the same type of thing. But uh, we can use different discovery items to narrow down what those allegations are and then go about gathering evidence to disprove. Uh, we can use things called interrogatories, which are uh, sworn statements that the other side has to, uh, to promulgate and answer. Uh, request for production of documents. So if they claim that they have 57 photographs of some particular item, we can force them to produce that in advance of trial. Uh, we can use depositions, uh, which are sworn statements where uh, one side questions the other and the answers are written out word for word. Uh, we can use even more items in preparation just to make sure that that surprise factor uh, is limited or eliminated altogether. And then once you actually start to uh, proceed in that case and, and start to get towards the trial type thing, uh, you've got, uh, I, I tend to use um, guns as a, uh, a euphemism here. Uh, you've got more bullets in your gun that you can fire. Yeah. And because of that, uh, we're just providing more ammunition uh, than the other side can have so that we can do the best defense possible and hopefully uh, change and actually get on the offense about you're making false accusations here, or you're bringing up things that happened 55 years ago here, uh, which is an actual example of something that happened in one of my cases. Right. Uh, they, they brought something up in 2020 that happened in, uh, I believe it was 1965. Wow. And so you just want to make sure that uh, you're covered. And the only way to know that uh, is for the attorney to know what they're looking for. And so yeah. that's why it's so crucial that you take advantage of that attorney-client privilege you tell your attorney everything that there is to know about your case because you're one of the two leading experts in your marriage and uh, the attorney doesn't know you. Yeah, I mean, it's so important. We talk, we talk a lot about maybe the defensive side of bad facts for our clients, but it works both ways, offense, defense. We wanna know first and foremost, what's the worst things, the bad things that you have. You know, it's, it's therapeutic. Talk about the bad things, it's embarrassing. I get it, but we've heard it. So it's not like uh, you should be totally embarrassed. We will, we'll, the point is, is we want to formulate a strategy for you, but it works on the offensive side. We want to hear all the bad things about uh, your spouse that may or may not affect the case. It could be, potentially. I mean, I've had a client withheld some you know, significant bad um, acts by wife that would have mattered, and we discovered them too late in the game. Um, you know, They weren't thinking, well, they didn't know it was important. So I think all in all is, is to get the full picture and knowing that that conversation, as you suggest, as you wrapped it up, was it's all protected under that kind of that shield of attorney-client privilege so that it is, it's a safe space. You know, it's, it's somewhere where you can be directly, bluntly, forthright and honest about what's going on in the marriage, right? Absolutely. And, and of course, there are limits to that. But uh, if you do have questions, you should most certainly consult an attorney in your state regarding the limits of attorney-client privilege and then make sure that you've got somebody that you can trust, somebody who specializes in what you need and uh, then discuss every little facet there and uh, get the representation that you need. Yeah, Christopher, great job. I love it. Uh, good information for guys when we really talk about something so critical in the early stage of them considering for and actually filing for divorce. So thanks for joining today. Thank you, Scott. Now, we continue to bring you great tips uh, for guys that are considering it or in the middle or in the beginning stages of the divorce. I encourage you to go to the website, CordellCordell.com, or our YouTube page where we have great information that Christopher gave to you today, great topics across the last 32 weeks we've been doing this during this COVID-19 
19 pandemic. And we continue to do this twice each week. And coming up in November, make sure to check out our virtual town hall where you can register right now to uh, attend that town hall in November. You can log in for that hour. We have a panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys there to answer your questions where you can submit them live and get answers right then and right there. So continue to tune in. Until next time, have a great week.